0: this morning. And may we do that as the word comes forth as well, God. We give you thanks for this time. In your son's holy and precious name, amen and amen. You may be seated.
1: In just a moment, Pastor Matt will come and he'll bring the word. I want to share just a quick scripture felt the Lord laid on my heart. It's out of Psalm fifty. Uh, Psalm 59, it says this, But I will sing of your power, yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy in the morning, for you have been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. To you, O my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense, my God of mercy. We serve a God of mercy, he is our defender, and uh, we can sing of his great work in our lives. Amen? Amen. couple of quick announcements inside the program this morning. Again, there is a request for you to participate in Backpack Buddies. Uh, we mentioned a week ago that there are a number of families in our community. It's as high as 50% at this school that are living in what has been deemed poverty or below the poverty, the norm of what would be expected in our community in terms of our, our, our society, if you will. And There are many kids, literally, that go without food over the weekend. I mean, they have minimal kinds of things, but uh, very minimal. And so we want to help. There are at least 50 families or 50 kids that we send backpack buddies home with over the weekend. And it provides two meals. It provides some fruit. It provides vegetables. And it provides a little snack for the kids. And I just want to encourage you to participate if you would and you're interested any donation is marvelous is marvelous and we thank you but if you'd like to help put together some bags and bring them on a weekly basis we have a receptacle in the back my left-hand side over here and uh, we would love 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 to have you be a part of the team we do uh, between 45 and 50 meals here or bags here and then we do another 35 to 40 over at Wichita Family Support Center so our fellowship is providing somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to 90 bags every single week and so if we many hands make really light work and so your participation what a blessing you would be also today uh, you would find on your seat an information sheet there are a lot of new family members at hillside and we want to stay connected with regular family members all the new folks some have changed phone numbers. Some have changed emails. Uh, some have added family members to their uh, family with newborn babies and so forth. They probably don't have emails yet and cell phones yet, but at some point, uh, we simply need everyone to help us. So, will you take time today to fill this out? You can leave it back at the sound booth for us. That would be so very, very helpful. Can I just get a hearty amen on this one? We want and we need to stay in contact with you. Amen. All right, by way of announcement, a couple of additional things that are going on. Uh, First of all, uh, with family members who have lost loved ones, will you just remember to continue to pray for them? Society expects us to have our kind of stuff together within, really in some cases, as many uh, short a time as two weeks that all life would go back to normal. And uh, when folks in your brothers and sisters, perhaps you, you've been at your workstation and you just kind of go into that blank stare because you're overwhelmed with the thoughts of the loved one who's gone to be with Jesus and and you just kind of stop functioning. People come by and say, well, what's wrong with you? You'd say, well, I was just thinking about my daughter, my sister, my husband, my wife, whatever that uh, loved one is in relationship. And people say, oh, you're still thinking about that? You're still dwelling on that? And that's the response. In the kingdom of God, we know that's not the case. And though we do not mourn like those who have no hope, We still want to pray and lift up our brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. We had a a dear friend in the North Clackamas School District uh, who passed uh, just a few days ago, a week ago or so, Joe Crum. Many of you know who Joe Crum is. And uh, he has a service coming up on October 23rd. We want to pray for the uh, Crum family. And uh, we want to pray for our community because he was a a strong, strong advocate for families. There are 17,250 kids in the North Clackamas School District. And he was an advocate for kids. And uh, we have the opportunity to be a part of that memorial service. And there will be literally thousands of people at that service. And so I'm going to ask and invite you to be praying with us. It will be Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock on October 23rd. So please be praying uh, for us. Please be praying for me. It's very possible that I will be officiating that service. So I'm asking that you would uh, pray with me and pray for us. Uh, we have a redemptive response to homosexuality seminar coming up on October 15th from 9 to 2 o'clock at Milwaukee Christian. I just want to encourage you, today is a day that you can register, and you can do that uh, simply by going to all1nc.org. It is our, uh, it, it's a collaboration of churches here in North Clackamas, and there's a registration right there online, and uh, we would invite you to do that. Be a part. It's going to be a, a, a great informational meeting to administrate the love of Jesus Christ to those who are struggling and I use the word struggling because it's a sin and they're struggling in sin and many call themselves brothers and sisters in Christ and how do we how do we love and present the truth of the word of God does that make sense because that is not a biblical relationship to be in homosexuality or lesbianism. One man, one woman. And that's, that's the biblical place. And so we want to love people and help them discover truth and then bring about repentance in their life. Does that make sense? Everybody understand that? So we want to help and want to equip the saints really for that work of the ministry. All right. Uh, also, we have a men's mini-conference coming up. Registration has begun. That's on December 3rd. We need all our men to sign up for that. It's going to be a great morning. So I encourage you in that area. We have a week of prayer and fasting coming up, and I uh, want everyone to participate in the week of prayer and fasting. You don't have to fast the whole week. You can fast a meal. You can fast a day. You can fast the entire time. But we want you to simply engage and be in prayer, prayer for our nation, prayer for our community, prayer for the body of Christ in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Matt as he comes to bring the word of God to us this morning. Come on.
2: How you guys doing this morning? Yeah. Amen. Amen. It was a great time in worship. Uh, it's Angelica at the beginning. Uh, wanted to thank the Hillside family for all they've done and said uh, to her and her life and. Um, It's been 12 years, just over 12 years uh, that Hillside's been uh, fellowshipping together. Angelica's been there for uh, the duration of that, and so have I. Uh, Angelica and I grew up together, uh, started out as little 14 year olds uh, hanging out uh, in this very gymnasium. Um, And for those 12 years, uh, I've been on the worship team up here, and every once in a while when I'm preaching, I don't play on the worship team. And I just want to say, Pastor Dennis and worship team, uh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Uh, So thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, Over the years, and uh, can we just give our worship team? Uh, They they don't want any credit. They don't want any glory. Uh, We point all the glory back to God. But uh, uh, I was blessed this morning uh, by our worship team. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter five. Uh, We're going through the book of Genesis right now, uh, and we're taking a little bit of time. Uh, We're not exactly going verse by verse on a Sunday morning. Uh, we're doing that on the Sunday evenings. But we're going chapter by chapter, and we have the opportunity this morning to go through one of the most, if not the most, overlooked chapters in all of Scripture. Uh, it's probably in competition with things like Numbers and Leviticus, where there's lots of just genealogies and rules and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we're going to break down Genesis chapter 5 this morning uh, in a way that maybe you've heard before, maybe you haven't heard before. Um, but this is a genealogy. It's a lot of names, it's a lot of years, uh, and it gets overlooked quite a bit. But before we dive into that, uh, I want to just look in chapter 4, uh, just a few verses earlier, when we see the line of Cain, Cain's genealogy, his descendants. Uh, it's very interesting, and you probably heard Pastor Dave talk about this if you went to Sunday Evening Church. Uh, but Cain's sons have some names that might, might be familiar uh, to you, others that might not be familiar but when we look at the meaning of the names of Cain's son, we see names that mean to blot out Yahweh is God. Uh, that's a very atheistic name. Uh, we see names like the fugitive, and I'm not talking about Harrison Ford. Um, we see names like smitten of God. Um, there, there are names in the lineage of Cain that are very anti-God, and we're going to kind of juxtapose uh, the names of the sons of Cain Versus the sons of Seth, but we're going to do that in a little bit later on, because uh, we'll see shortly uh, that the names of the sons of Seth and his descendants uh, really tell a very beautiful story. But before we get there, uh, chapter five has been called a boring and depressing uh, chapter. The Word of God. Uh, I don't know if we can legally say God's Word is boring, uh, but how many of you, by a show of hands, this is this is confession moment. Sunday morning church time for confession. How many of you, during your devotional time, have skipped over Genesis chapter 5? All right, all right. I see some of you raising your hands, and for those who aren't, uh, there's a later confession for for lying. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, It's been called the cemetery of Scripture, uh, because there's a lot of death. and, and, And what we see here in Genesis chapter 5 really is the fulfillment of what God warned Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2 that in the day they ate of the fruit they would surely die we see death talked about quite often in Genesis chapter 5 Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 22 that for as in Adam all will die death has entered the world because of the sin of one man and because of Adam's sin We all die. So, let's look at Genesis chapter 5. That's a really exciting intro. Uh, We all are going to die. All right, this is what it says. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God had created man, and he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them, and called them mankind in the day they were created. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that your word pierces through the bone and the marrow, and it goes to the deep parts of our heart. God, we thank you that your word reveals to us the motives and the intent of who we are. God, I pray that this morning you would speak to us through your word, uh, that you by your Holy Spirit would reveal truth to us. God, that we would be encouraged, we would be inspired. God, that we would be challenged to live more like you and to live more for you. God, I pray that this morning none of these would be my words, but, God, only you uh, and your perfect word would speak through. God, anything that would be of me may it fall on deaf ears or may I not be able to get it out of my mouth, but that, God, your perfect word, your life-changing, your transformational word would do a change and a transformation in our hearts. God, we do not want to leave the same as we came in, but, God, we want to be renewed by the washing of the waters. So, God, we just pray all these things in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We see an interesting phrase here in verse 1. Um, it says, this is the book of the genealogy or the book of the generations of Adam. This book of the generations. Uh, it, it is a phrase that is only used twice in Scripture. We see it once here, and then it is used again at the beginning of the New Testament when we see it say that this is the book of the generations of Jesus Christ. And there's a strong juxtaposition of Adam and his line and Christ and his line and what both of these men have done. Paul says that Jesus is the second Adam from above, uh, and there, th- there's a stark contrast between what Adam did and what Jesus did. You see, they were both brought into this earth, but Adam, Adam sinned. And there in the Garden of Eden, he created, uh, as a result of his sin, um, a bloodline that was tainted by sin, uh, a, a, a tarnished bloodline that we are all a part of. But you see, some thousands of years later, when Jesus came along, Jesus did something in the garden, much like Adam in the garden, but Jesus in the garden on the night he was betrayed, he prayed, God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. You see, what Adam had lost in one garden, Jesus reclaimed in another garden. And, and, and Jesus, when he died on the cross just a few days later, uh, he He died for our sin. And his blood covers our sin. And then in his resurrection, he brings new life. He brings new creation. He brings the opportunity for us to live as a people who are now free from sin, and he gives us the hope of an eternity where there will be a world that is perfect, much like the garden was created, God's intent for us to live in complete harmony with the Father. So we're going to spend a few moments looking uh, at Adam's line, but then we're going to come back at the end of service uh, to look at some things about the lineage uh, of Jesus. So this is what it says uh, in verse 2, and I think this is important, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time... uh, this, But it says, and he created them male and female and blessed them, and they were called mankind. Uh, a better translation of the word mankind there is they were called Adam. They were called Adam. Uh, it's interesting that it's not uh, God created male and female, and they were called Adam and Eve, or they were called Adam hyphen Eve, or they were called Adams. No, they were just called Adam. And God creates man and woman, and he gives them the command to go and be fruitful and multiply and become one And we see when Adam knew his wife, they had kids, uh, so there there was a relationship that took place, and they became one, that becoming one, that oneness is the Hebrew word, akad, where two become one, and it is one soul serving God. And so this is really cool, because we see the the establishment of marriage, two becoming one flesh, um, and that's a sermon in and of itself for another day, that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about names and numbers, amen? Let's read the rest of chapter five. Here we go. I didn't get a lot of amens for that. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness, after his image, and he named him Seth. And he begot Seth, and in the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. And after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. You're going to begin to see a pattern. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. And after he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he (laughs) died. Canaan lived 70 years and had Mahalalel. And after he begot Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years and begot Jared. There's a nice name for us, Jared. Uh, And after he begot Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. And Jared lived one hundred. years. And 62 years and begot Enoch. And after he had begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and he didn't die. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. It's keen. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Verse 25 says this, Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. And after he had begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son, and he called his son Noah saying this is the one who will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the lord has cursed and after he begot noah lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters so all the days of lamech were 777 years and he died and noah was 500 years old and noah begot shem ham and japheth we're going to see later on in a few chapters that noah dies also um But we see, we see death has entered the world. And this is a portion of scripture that gets overlooked many times because it's just kind of repetitive. There's years and for us who don't live to be this age, some of us look at this and we say, well, this is myth and fairy tale. What does it actually mean to me as a believer? Why should I care? Why should I read portions of scripture like this? Why should I read portions of scripture like the beginning of Leviticus or Numbers where we just read all these names and so on begat so forth and there was thousand people in this tribe. Why should we read these things? Do they actually have practical application to the 21st century believer? Why not just spend our time reading Paul, reading reading 1st Thessalonians, or 1st Corinthians, or the book of Romans, or let's read the gospel because it's all about Jesus, why should we spend time reading Genesis chapter 5? Well, I want to let you guys know and let you in on a little secret, but the psalmist in Psalm 42 says, all of the book is written about me, says the Lord. Every single page of scripture screams out the name of Jesus. It shouts it from the mountains, declares it from the rooftops, like the song we sang. God's word on every single page tells us the truth of the gospel and tells us the story in the life of Jesus. And a little bit later on, we're actually going to look at how it does that. But what I want to do before that uh, is kind of just break down a few small little things that, that might mean something to us, uh, that should mean something to us. And then we're going to come and we're going to bring it home uh, with the gospel here in Genesis chapter 5. First three, we see that Adam was 130 years old. How old was Adam when Adam was born? <laughs> well, we don't know because Adam was created. He was created as a man in the garden. So was Adam created as a newborn infant? Was Adam created at 14? Was Adam created 30 years old? Was Adam cre- We don't know how old Adam was when he was created, but we know he was created a man, and we know he was created and given the command to be fruitful and multiply. So he was of some mature age. This helps answer some questions for me personally. Uh, Not about the age of Adam, but about the age of our earth. Um, I grew up uh, in church. Uh, I grew up learning that evolution was a lie and that creation was the truth. I grew up believing uh, that the biological understanding that they teach in our elementary schools, and our middle schools, high schools, and colleges. By the time I was 14, I could take a science teacher to the boxing ring intellectually and tell them how evolution was wrong. But when I got to college, I love geology because geology rocks. Oh, don't, 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 don't <laughs> laugh for that. Um, I love geology. So I go to geology class because the Grand Canyon's beautiful, rocks are amazing, and then they begin to tell me how rock structures are formed and how they're formed over long periods of time with pressure and all these sorts of things. And I begin to start running through my mind, well, I know how evolution's false. I know that carbon dating doesn't work, but rocks can't be carbon dated because they're not made of carbon, so there's rubidium strontium dating and all these fun things that I have no clue what they're talking about, and I got to this point where I really began to question what I believed and why I believed it, because I understood that life had to have a creator and that the world that life existed in had to have a creator, and I understood that evolution as a process did not work in the time frame that is painted for us. But when I looked at the rocks, the way mountains were formed and canyons were formed, I was in a conundrum. I had no clue how, from a biblical standpoint, I could say that these rocks were formed in just 6,000 short years. It's really hard for me, and I, I, I began to question my faith. Now, not the foundational elements of my faith, but I began to question this literal interpretation of Scripture that I had grown up on. then I looked at Adam, because Adam was created mature, Adam was created old, or older than an infant, and a a theologian told me, uh, I say theologian, Pastor Dave, uh, (laughs) he's a great theologian, he's a great theologian, Uh, Pastor Dave asked me the question, he didn't say this is a fact or reality, but he asked me the question, how old was Adam, and I was like, oh, interesting, And the more I've searched this out and the more I've looked through Bible commentators and theologians and when I look at the account of the early church and the way that they viewed the earth, it's very evident that the earth itself could be created as a older or mature earth. So that when Adam was in the garden, if we were to go back in a time machine to the time of the garden, we ask Adam, how old are you? He would say I'm one day old. But when we test him and look at him biologically, maybe he's 30 years old. You see what I'm saying here? So when we look at the earth now in 2016 and we say, oh, this is 4.6 billion years old. In all reality, it may have the appearance of that age, but may have only been here for 6,000 or so years. Does that make sense? That's just a a little encouragement that the Lord gave me uh, in some of the more formational years uh, of understanding uh, what God's word talks about. So we see here uh, in in the first, the first 23 verses, um, so on and so forth, they lived this amount of years, and they all died, they died, they died, they died, Uh, but we come to this person in verse 21, and we're introduced to him, or or, uh, yeah, verse 21, it says this, and Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah, and after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters all the days of Enoch were 365 years. But Here's the different part. Enoch doesn't die. Enoch walks with God and he was no more for God took him. God caught him up. God brought him to heaven. Now Enoch, Enoch is an anomaly amongst this list. We see Adam. We see Seth. Breaking down the list. Kenan, Jared, Mahalalel, all these guys. And they don't really have qualifier by their name but when we get to Enoch it says and Enoch walked with God you'll see that phrase walked with God only twice in scripture once about Enoch and once about Noah Enoch was a righteous man who lived at a time when there was an abundance of unrighteousness as the earth is being populated over these first few hundred years unrighteousness and sin is what reigns You see it earlier in the book of Genesis. Cain slays his brother over an argument. Aren't you glad when we argue today, we don't go out to the field and hit each other with rocks and kill each other? But sin entered the world, and sin began to rule and reign in this world. And Enoch, Enoch has a son, and when Enoch has a son, it then tells us in the next verse that Enoch, walked with God. He was a righteous man. If we were to look at extra biblical accounts of the book or or, or of the person of Enoch, uh, there was written in about 200 BC, so just a few hundred years before Christ, uh, the rabbis came together and they wrote a commentary on the book of Genesis. We have it existing today as something that is called the book of Jubilees. You can go read it online, you can download it, you can go to the Bookstore and pick a copy up. What it is, is the book of Jubilees is a commentary on Genesis, and it's a breakdown on the things of Genesis, and it retells the story and adds in some of the tradition of the Jews, some of the traditions of, of guys like Josephus, who he would later use the book of Jubilees to write his history of the Jews. And what the book of Jubilees does when it breaks down Genesis and breaks down the story of Enoch Not only does it say that Enoch was a righteous man and that Enoch walked with God, but we have the tradition that Enoch was the first person to ever use written language. And and it says in the book of Jubilees, and this isn't scripture, this isn't fact, so don't take Matt preaching out of some book from the Bible and take it as theology. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm using an example here. Is that Enoch, he began to write down the things that he and the Lord conversed. And he began to love the words of the Lord. That's what the book of Jubilees says. Loves the word of God. And an example can be drawn and can be paralleled to us today. Because if the tradition from the book of Jubilees is what actually was Enoch's case, Enoch was a man who loved the word of God, who loved the words of the Lord, and it was accounted to him that he was a righteous man and that he walked with God. How many of us love the word of the Lord? How many of us love God's word? I want to encourage you this morning that loving God's word and walking with God's word will be a qualifier of if we are people who walk with God and if we are righteous. How do we know that we're righteous? How do we know when we're doing good? Well, the book of 1 John tells us that... We love God and we walk with God and when we walk with God, he walks with us. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Psalm 119, the longest book in the Bible, 176 verses, is a love song by King David written to the Bible. With such amazing verses like, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verses like, where your word shines, my path is made wider. I will hide your, heart, your, your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So how does a man, how does a woman live righteously in a world that is full of sin? How does a man or a woman live as one who walks with God in a world that doesn't? I would argue this morning, it's someone who spends time in God's word and allows God's word to be the light to their path. When they want to know where to go, they go to God's word when they want to make a decision. Someone who reads God's word and out of the abundance of their heart, then their mouth will speak. If we so fill ourselves with God's word, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. If God's word is what is our root and is what is what drives us, I think, too, we will be called people who walk with God and who are righteous. And something amazing happens in Enoch's life when he is this person who walks with the Lord, someone who is righteous. You see, all of his relatives, all of his ancestors, all of his peers, his co-workers, they were perishing. And it was the common denominator amongst mankind. You're born, you're going to live, you're going to die. Probably, actually went, you're born, You're going to pay taxes, you're going to die. But everyone's going to die. But Enoch didn't. Because the Lord caught him up. The Lord took him away. Now, am I going to stand here today and say, if you read your Bible every day, you might be walking down the road, and poof, you're gone. I'm not going to say that per se, but I am going to say that in just a second. But when we are people who are in God's word, and when we believe the things of God's word and we live and we let those things direct our life, if we truly believe those things, then that means we will give our heart to Jesus and allow him to be the Lord of our life. And when we do that, Paul tells us in Romans that when we do that, we are saved and we have salvation. He tells us at a later point that at that point we are a new creation. Guys, when we are people who live and abide by the word of God, and we say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, we are no longer dead. book of Ephesians tells us that we were dead in our sin and trespasses. The wages of our sin, just our bloodline, made us dead. But we were made alive because God, who is rich in mercy, you see, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are made alive, and that common denominator of death no longer applies to us. That's a spiritual sense. But also, Enoch is a type for us of the church. Righteousness amongst darkness. The church is righteousness amongst darkness. And there is a time coming. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, that we who are alive and remain, We will be caught up. And there is a very real thing, a future event that is going to take place, and that is the rapture of the church. If you want to learn more about that, we just finished the book of Revelation a few months ago. You can go and listen to those sermons. But there is a very real event that is going to take place, and it is the rapture of the church. When those who are living right, when the Lord returns, he is going to catch the church up to meet him in the clouds. And Enoch is an example and a type of that for us. Enoch was righteous. He walked with God. It was what qualified his life. It was what people looked at him, and they said, oh, yeah, Enoch, he's that one who walks with God. I want to ask you this morning, when you're at work, when you're at the grocery store, when you're in college, when you're in high school, when you're just going about your day-to-day life, when you're at the football game, people look at you and say, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so, they walk with God. Oh, that's so-and-so, they walk with the Lord. I want to encourage you guys this morning, if you take anything away from what I've said thus far, take that. Be people who, when people look at you, they say, oh, yeah, they walk with God. They walk with God. Jesus says they will know whose you are by your fruit. What kind of fruit are we bearing? Are we bearing fruit of ourself? Are we bearing fruit of our fathers? Because the fruit of the fathers, Adam and Adam died, Seth and Seth died, Enosh and Enoch died, and Canaan and Canaan died, mahalalel and mahalalel died, Jared and Jared died. That's the fruit of our forefathers. It's death. But are we bearing the fruit of new life? And that's in Christ. And that is life. It's the kind of fruit that we want to bear. We jumped down and Enoch, Enoch wasn't, a trending thing on Twitter or Instagram. uh, The way he lived his life did not catch on. He has a son. His name's Methuselah, oldest man in the history of Earth. Methuselah had a, oh, and Methuselah dies. Then Lamech, and Lamech has a son, and Lamech's son is Noah. When Adam and Eve had Cain, Eve rejoiced, saying, the Lord has blessed us. We've born a son. The early rabbinic tradition was that Eve believed Cain was going to be the promised Messiah who was going to undo the curse. That didn't work out very well in his favor. But now we jump all the way down here to Lamech, and early rabbinic tradition says that Lamech believed that his son was the promised one. And we see this right here. Lamech says, I will call his name Noah. This is the one who will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Now, I don't know if that's truly what Lamech believed that his son was Messiah. I don't know. But what is evident about the life of Noah is that not only was Noah a righteous man who walked with God, but that Noah was a man who brought salvation to some to some people. I'm not talking salvation. He didn't lead people to Jesus in a in a church and have them say a sinner's prayer. No. When God destroyed the earth with water, Noah, because of his righteousness, God allowed him to build an ark and to save his family. I want to draw another correlation with Noah here. If we are to be people who are like Enoch, I believe we are also to be people who are like Noah. That not only do we have the qualifier, we walk with God and out of the abundance of our heart, is the, uh, our mouth is speaking the words of God, I think that we are to be people who are like Noah. Where we go, salvation goes. Now, we're not doing any of the saving. It's evident. We can't even save ourselves. But when we go somewhere and we have Jesus in us, we have the Holy Spirit as the deposit of our blessed assurance that when we go places, we bring that with us. And not only do people say, oh yeah, that's so-and-so, the word of God, or or, or they walk with the Lord. They say, there's something different, and I want to have what they have. That when destruction comes tumbling down, people don't turn to a bottle of alcohol. When destruction comes tumbling in turmoil, people don't turn to, to, to all these different vices that they could have. But rather, people turn and they say, hey, you've got hope, you've got salvation. What do you have that I don't have? And that people look at us and we're able to bring them Jesus. You see, also, as Enoch was caught up, so too Noah and his family were caught out. When God destroyed the earth that then was with water, he said, build an ark and save. See, this is, this is, the, this is the, the track record of God, that when evil comes, he saves the righteous. We serve a God who loves us and cares for us. And though we go through hard times, when evil comes, he rescues us. And there is a very real future event, Paul tells us, John tells us, where the church is going to be called out. Now Noah, Noah had three sons. We'll discuss them in some future weeks, but what I want us to do as we have the encouragement to live as people who walk with the Lord and as people who bring salvation with us everywhere we go, I want to look, because earlier I said we're going to take a look at the names of the sons of Cain, people like, let's blot out that God is, or that Yahweh is God, uh, fugitive or, or one smitten by God. Uh, let's look at the names because I think there's something important Because when we look at this, we can kind of piece and pull together A few good points about salvation and the gospel But I said earlier that the psalmist said Every page of the book preaches the gospel These names were written in Hebrew In Hebrew, uh, as with every language You can translate or transliterate what those names mean uh, how many of you guys know the meaning of your name? How many of you guys have ever been, been trying to choose a name for, for a child, a future child? You go to the down to the library, you pick out a book, all the baby names and their meanings. Anyone ever done that? Uh, I'm a nerd. I love meanings of words. I, I, I love etymologies of things. And so there's this website, and I can't even remember it off the top of my head, where you can, like, go type in your whole name, and then it'll break down maybe where they came from, and then you can go back and look exactly what your name would have been like in the 5th century in Anglo-Saxon Europe. uh, Really weird, but uh, super awesome. And and, and I love the history and the meanings of names. And when we look at the meanings of the names here in Genesis chapter 5, it's quite interesting. So if you have a piece of paper, and if you have a pen, I'm going to encourage you to write notes at this point point because we're going to go back and we're going to look at some things. But the name Adam, you heard me say earlier in verse 2 it says female and male and they were called mankind. I said a better translation is they were called Adam. Adam literally means man. So, So if you're taking notes, write down Adam and then over to the side of it, write down man. Adam has a son and Adam's son's name was Seth. Seth means appointed meaning of the name of Seth is appointed Enosh if you're to translate Enosh's name uh, and and if you want information on where I've gotten these translations um, come see me afterwards I can hook up hook you up with that so you can break down uh, where all these came from for yourself but Enosh Enosh's name translated means subject or subject to then Canaan Canaan's name translated means death. It's really not a fun meaning for a name. Uh, Mahelalel is the presence of God. That's a cool name. Or the blessed of God. So if you're looking for a name for a child, I'm going to recommend Mahelalel. It's a cool name. I heard one pastor say Mahelalel is the first Hawaiian in the Bible. Um, that's a joke I promised I wouldn't use. Um, I used it. We got Jared. Uh, Jared means coming down or one comes down. Then we get to Enoch. Enoch means dedicated, perseverant. Then we get to Methuselah. Methuselah has a name that is very fitting for his life. Dying he shall bring. You see, in the year that Methuselah died, that's when the flood happened and the earth was destroyed. Methuselah's name means dying he shall bring. Uh, Lamech means those being destroyed. Now, I haven't done the breakdown, but it sounds a lot like the word lament. Lamech, lament, you can just remember that. It's kind of a bummer when things are being destroyed, so you lament them. Uh, Lamech's name means to those being destroyed. Uh, And then Noah, we have the meaning of the name Noah here, as Lamech says. uh, Comfort, rest. So then if we were to take these names and break them down in the way they were transliterated for us, the gospel is presented. This is what it reads if we were to take the names out and put the meanings of the names. Man, appointed, subject, death, presence of God, one coming down, dedicated, dying he shall bring, those being destroyed, rest. Let's add in a few English words to kind of make it readable. Man appointed, subject to death, from the presence of God, one comes down, dedicated, and dying he shall bring to those who are being destroyed, rest. It's a very familiar story because man is appointed, subject to death, for the wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is our appointment. That is what we are subject to. Because of our sin, death is our payment. But, this is the amazing part. This is the Ephesians chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy. From the presence of God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, as John tells us in John chapter 1. One comes down, dedicated. When we look at the life of Jesus, do you think he had purpose? Jesus was a very dedicated man, purposed. What was he doing with that purpose? He was bringing to those who are being destroyed our sin, destroying us, our sin, crushing us. He was bringing us rest, dying he shall bring to those being destroyed, rest. You see, we serve a God who loves us so much that he saw the state of our being, He saw the death that we were entangled in and he said, I'm going to provide a way for them to be rightly related to me. And through the atoning work that Jesus did for us on the cross, dying, he will bring to us who are being destroyed rest. We can have our rest in Christ. We can have our hope in Jesus. When things are getting rough, when things are getting tough, we can lay our head on the shoulder of Christ because he's the one who gives us comfort. I'll even one-up that. Jesus said, it's better that I go to heaven so that I could send to you the paraclete, the helper, the comforter. Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. And now that Holy Spirit is the deposit in our lives of the hope that we have. We're told to be ready in season and out to give an answer or a defense for the hope that we have. Folks, the hope that we have is Jesus and what he did for us. He is the reason. He is the answer. He's our defense. It's always Jesus. No matter what life throws our way, as simple and cliche as it sounds, it's always Jesus. And no matter how the world, no matter how we even want to tiptoe around, but yeah, I know it's Jesus, but God, I can't see this. Can you really just show me something more? No, Jesus. Yeah, I know, but that's too simple. Can you show me something more? Is there more in here? I'm going to use an example for you. Mariah and I got a dog eight days ago. Yeah, he's a cute dog, four-year-old beagle. he um, got some bad habits. Uh, it hates being in his cage. Um, and so he just, he tears things apart. And I told Mariah last night, because I was, this, this is embarrassing, I don't know that I've ever been more discouraged than I have been this week because this dog, I love this dog. This dog is cute. 24 hours a day, if he could, he'd sleep on your lap. He's not wild. All he does is just fall asleep on the couch. It's amazing. And we give him food. We love him. We snuggle with him. He's just the greatest dog. And what's so frustrating, and it sounds embarrassing, that my feelings are hurt by a dog... But because the second I leave, he starts tearing things apart. And, and he goes back to his old way of doing things. And last night, I'm sitting here just sulking in discouragement. And, I, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, what is, what is the purpose of this? Am I going to have to take this dog back to the Humane Society? Am I not capable of pushing through? And I was just wrestling with God, what is happening? Why can this dog not tell that I love him? Why can he not understand that I'm doing everything for him? I'm providing for him. Why does he go back to his old way of doing things when he's not spending time with me? And right then the Lord hit me. He said, hey, Matt, you got a little taste of what I go through on a 24-7, 365 basis. dogs, he takes it even a step further and says, we're sheep. Now, I'm not a shepherd, but Dennis and Julie, you guys got some sheep, and I've come over when it's time for the sheep to get a shot, and we got to wrangle these sheep up, Uh, bless you guys for your endurance with those sheep, because it's ridiculous, and dogs are actually smart animals, sheep really aren't. And, and if this dog is painting a picture for me of how my life with my father in heaven is, how he cares for me, he loves me, he wants to spend as much time with me as he can, he provides for me, but then when I'm not spending time with him, I begin tearing things apart and I begin going back to my old ways. If God can use a dog to tell me that story, but then he says we're actually sheep which are dumber than dogs... I'm beginning to understand in the most minuscule way how often I let God down. And the discouragement that I felt, this is the amazing part, God's not discouraged. God says, I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm Praying and asking God, God, am I going to have to give this dog back? Am I going to have to give up? You know what? The Lord never gives up on you. God never sits there and says, you know what? They keep going back to their nonsense. I'm just going to give them back. I'm not going to spend any more time with them. They're too much work for me. You know, we serve a God who loves us, who sticks with us, who's always drawing us to him. And we can tear apart our kennels we can tear apart our bedrooms and god says hey it's okay come back to me all you who are heavy laden and i'll give you rest we serve a god who to those being destroyed he brings comfort and rest i'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up this morning we sing a new song um it's a great song talks about coming to the altar where the Father's arms are open wide, there is forgiveness. I'm going to invite the congregation. I'm going to invite you guys to stand this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different. I don't know how I'm doing time-wise. All right. Do something a little bit different. In just a moment, I'm going to invite everyone to close their eyes. And I'm going to ask three questions. Three questions. The first question I'm going to ask is, maybe you're here today and you've never heard the gospel. You've never heard that you are a sinner. You've never heard that there's a God who loves you even though you're a sinner and he wants to bring you salvation. Maybe you've never heard that. And this morning you want to say, I want to put my faith in that God who will never leave me nor forsake me. And when I ask that question, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. All our eyes will be closed. The next question I'm going to ask is maybe you're like that dog in the kennel. And you just keep running back to the way you used to do things. And you know that there is a God who, using the most random, overlooked portions of scripture, tells his story of grace. And you say, I'm done running. I'm done struggling in this cage. I want to have freedom with my Ask you this morning, if that's you, maybe you're somewhere in the process of running, maybe you're somewhere sitting by the Father, but you're not living for Him fully. And you want to rededicate your heart to the Lord. And you want to say, I'm giving you my all. When I ask that question, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And thirdly, I ask the question, do you want to be someone who's known as someone who walks with God? Do you want to be known as someone who, when you enter the room, salvation comes with you? And when I ask that question, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would give us boldness and empower us to be witnesses. And I'll ask you to raise your hand. Then I'm going to ask a fourth thing that for anyone who raised their hand, all eyes are closed, so anyone who raised their hand at that point on the fourth question I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand I'm going to ask you to make your way down to the front right here because the song that we're singing says I'm coming to the altar you called my name I'm coming to the altar to the arms of the father where there's forgiveness we got an altar right here and we're going to worship the God the creator of the universe who loves us we're going to worship him this morning together And then I'm going to close us in prayer, but we're going to spend time worshiping our God. Amen? So with every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you've never heard that there is a God who loves us, there's a God who loves you no matter what you're doing, and he wants to spend time with you, he wants to have relationship with you, and you say, God, I want that. I want that. I want to put my faith in you. God's word tells us that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. If that's you this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, and you want to do that this morning, I want to encourage you right now and invite you, if that's you, every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, raise your hand this morning. You're here this morning. You've maybe been running. You've maybe been fighting. You've maybe been going back to the way you used to do things. If you're done toiling, like Lamech, you say this is the one who's gonna come and comfort us concerning the toil of our hands which the Lord has cursed. If you're done toiling, if you're done fighting and you say, I want to give myself completely to you, God, I know you're my Savior but I want you to be the Lord of my life and everything I do and put my hands to. If so that's you this morning, so just indicate that by raising your hand. Is there anyone here who says, Lord, it's all yours? Hands going up all over the place. Praise God. Praise God. Put your hands down. Lastly, if you're here this morning and you don't want to be the thing that defines you as just like that person, just like that person, there's a pattern. No, but you want to be defined by someone as someone who walks with the lord someone who is righteous if that's you and you want to be the de- someone who is declared i walk with god and you want the boldness to take salvation with you where you go if that's you this morning would you raise your hand amen 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 with every eye open every head up if that's you and you raised a hand come down to the front We're going to worship God in this place. If you raised your hand for any of those, make your way down to the altar, and we're going to worship God in this place. we thank you so much that our forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of your son and that it is in you and in the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus we thank you that there is no way to get to the father but through you the way, the truth, and the life. Family, this morning, let's declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. On the count of three, let's just shout that at the top of our lungs, amen? Jesus Christ is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. God, we worship you in this place. And we thank you. For your saving work in our lives. When I started off the sermon, we talked about how this was the book of the generations of Adam. We said there was going to be a book of the generations of Jesus. That's us, the church. And check this out. There is another book that has generation upon generation, and it's still being added to. You see, there's a book in heaven where people's names are being written down when they give their heart to Jesus. And there is going to come a day where that book is opened. Amen. And I believe that when we're there in eternity and God opens that book, this is the generations of my church, of my bride. I going to spend forever upon forever with her. That's us. So I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are at in life, God loves us and he meets us right where we are. So let's come to the altar no matter what. Dennis, can we go through this one more time and then you close us
0: in prayer? Amen. Are you- Jesus. There's a new bloodline that we have. We have eternal life, God, because of Jesus. So we thank you today for the words, Father. May we leave this place rejoicing because of the precious blood of Jesus. We give you thanks, Lord, in your son's name we pray. Amen.